name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. I'm sitting in a chair. Uh, my posture, I would say, on a scale of 1 to 10, 9.2. Uh, I've had a rough few weeks and I uh, haven't podcasted in, in the last few weeks. And here's why hurt myself, injured myself, nay, uh, screwed myself up. However you want to frame it. That's what happened to me. Um, and I, if you had seen me two weeks ago, you would have said, wow, there goes an 80 year old guy hunched over with a cane. And I said, no, 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 it, it's me. And he would have said, yeah, but it's essentially what you are. And I would have said, yeah, freaking right. Couldn't stand up straight for about six days. Could not stand up straight. Like, could not stand up straight. Couldn't lay down flat. Man, does it take it out of you. Not cool. Now, people go, you must feel old. I don't feel old. I injured myself. You want to know how? It's not like I go, I don't know how I did it. I just, I was just walking on a road and it, in it, my back. I know exactly how I did it. I pushed myself. Partly because I have a job and have to do things, and partly because I decided that I was going to um, teach my daughter a lesson and clean out uh, the stable that she had let go a little bit, and she was out of town. I was like, I'm going to clean this thing up, and I had a little bit of a back strain from sleeping weird, probably, but you know, five hours of shoveling manure and lifting heavy bags of things didn't help. Then I had to just go up and down stairs for some events at the resort and just just push it, just push, knew it, knew it and pushed it. Anyways, I'm doing a lot better now, but man, I you lose, you know, when you're sleeping three or four hours a night and it's not a good sleep, even like the three or four hours you sleep, takes it out of you. Like it's, it's all the more, re I finished that stuff and I'm like, okay, it's, I'm like, I'm going to start doing, here's my solution, ready? Because small steppers, we just go, okay, what can, what can I do about this? right? Just, just, just what can we do about this? I'm going to start incorporating more strength training. So I decided it's like, I've been running, I run and I buy and I do some biking, a little bit of rowing, which is all good stuff. And I have a, I have some um, strength training stuff, TRX suspension trainers, kinds of things. And I've in the past, you know, gone through periods where I'll kind of do that a little bit. And I don't never, I never give it up. I'm always doing some, something a little bit, but I'm ramping it up. That's all I'm saying. I'm ramping it up, not doing this again, mm. but you and I both know the real lesson here is that I pushed myself and I have a history. Those of you who know me, I have a history and on most of the time I'm fine, but I did not take breaks when I needed to take breaks. And that's what, that's what you do. That's what you do. You take breaks when you need to take breaks and you listen to your body. If you want to hear about listening to your body, when my body's strained, I don't go, okay, well, just shut up for a second while I'm going to carry some heavy things upstairs for, for four hours. Not cool, but man, hunched over and I'm teaching classes and I'm like not feeling and I'm thinking, you know, part of that, like machismo part of me, just, you know, just taking the hit on an ego level that I'm not in shape for that week that I'm hunched over. It's rough. That's the, it's not me. It's, it's in my, it's the part of me that's like in my brain. It still takes purchase in my brain. It's got some little, it's carved out a little corner of my brain. It's sitting on a lounge chair, probably sipping sort of some sort of iced tea with like a crazy straw in it or as I would call it, a nutty nut nut straw, just just hanging out over in the corner, the machismo reared its head is with lack of sleep and just pissed at the whole situation. And it's like, look at you. And I was like, shut, just shut up. I don't want to hear from you at all. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get stronger. Uh. I'm sipping on an espresso. I know. 
I'm just jazzed to be doing the podcast again. I'm jazzed to be walking upright. These are the little things that make us happy. I had a body worker guy work on me and he, within like seven minutes, I was just, I would have literally gone to any practitioner. People are like, you should see this guy. I'm like, I don't even know what that guy does. What's crazy? What's that? It's some voodoo. After six d- days of not sleeping, I was like, what that guy, what does he want? I have newt in a, in a vat of, of, of bleach water. Give it to me. I will take that. It's no problem. I can, I'm sure there's some science somewhere. It was so the pain was so dulling and crazy, like so just weighing on me that if someone had said, listen, said your pain can go away, but you can never have a scotch ever again. I would say, you know what? I see you on that. I agree. Never scotch. And I will raise you that not only will I never have a scotch ever again, I won't even scotch guard my tough skin jeans like my mom and every other mom did to our jeans in 1978. I will never scotch guard my jeans, nor I will have a scotch whiskey if I do not have to feel this pain and have and get a good night's sleep. That's how, that's, and you guys know, that's how serious that was. Mm. Man. Uh, is there a bigger lesson here? No, not all. Of course there's a bigger lesson. Good Lord, take care of yourself. But even people who take care of our, and I'm ta- I take care of myself most days, but I pushed it too hard. I made a mistake. I get injured. I screwed up. I screwed up. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do it again. In some ways, I've improved. See, I ruptured my Achilles tendon years ago because I was pushing it on a training plan and have not done that since. So there's there's gains I've made and in all in all, doing quite well. But there's going to be setbacks. And so I'm learning. I'm going, what can I learn from this and what can I avoid in the future? Well, if I have a little bit of a niggle in my back, guess what I'm not doing? Cleaning out a stall for four hours. I don't care what lesson I'm trying to... I, I'm the one who learned the lesson. Um... I have a couple podcast appearances that I was on. One is the power of investing. Really good conversation. I, I got hooked up with some pretty nice podcasts when my Six Truths book came out. The power of investing in people. Huh. I mean, come on and build tomorrow. Talk about management and like cool and cool like productivity. Weird, could just cool. So I'll, I'll link those to show notes. So listen, you guys. I got asked to be on a an advisory board. Because I thought, well, that's, I can do it. Now, first I tried to beg out of it. I was like, I don't have time. Thank you so much for your offer, but I don't have time. And the guy's like, listen, it's eight hours a year. I was like, well, I could, I could do eight hours a year. Anyways, it's a, it's a farm sanctuary called Rancho Compassion, which means Ranch of Compassion. Uh, as far as I, I haven't done a Google Translate on it, but that, that's my guess. It's a farm sanctuary um, started by Miyoko Shinner. If you guys ever heard of Miyoko's Cheeses, that's the one. She's great. I've gotten to know her a little bit over the, over the last few years. We've been at many an event together. But anyways, she, um, they asked me to join an advisory board there with, a, with some heavy hitters. I'm the least heavy hitter. I'm not even kidding. I'm the least heavy hitter. The guy who directed Game Changers and The Cove, he's on there. And there's some there's some cool podcasters and just people who are out and about. So anyway, there's about five of us on this advisory board. Anyway, Rancho Compassion. So I'm going to talk about it because it's kick-ass. It just kick-ass. And it's associated with cheese. So there's two things that are good. Saves farm animals and is associated with cheese. Top number one and number two. Thank you to everybody who uh, Patreons me, who buys my books. If you notice that Raising Healthy Parents is out of stock, it's not out of stock. It's there. There's some distribution. The publisher who did Approaching the Natural and Raising Healthy Parents 
I was trying to figure out what the hell happened because people can't buy those books even though they are in print. So there's something weird about Ingram Publishing and he's figuring that out. Six Truths is on a different publisher and there's no problems there yet. Small Steppers is rolling. I have a free six-part video series. Do that. I will tell you one story about that. So I decided to like ramp up the marketing. I'm so proud of that program. It's so kick-ass. But anyway, the 12-week program, of course, the intensive, I'm absolutely loving. Best work I've ever done in my whole life. But um, I there's a guy helping me with marketing and doing some YouTube and Google ads. So he's like, listen, I need a video and here's what I need you to say in and everything. So oh, that's fine. I just want people to tell me what to do and I will do it. I hate every bit of that whole thing. I hate, I want to do 0% of any, any of it. So I just like, look, can you just tell me and I'll pay you to just do it all too. So I shot this video this morning and I got a, finally got a take that I was like, that's a good take. I'm very pleased with that outcome. I think I got my point across very nicely. So I, I put the footage on my laptop and I go upstairs to start editing it in Adobe Premiere, which is what I use. And I'm very happy with the video, except that I noticed that I have a salsa stain on my left sleeve. And so I'm wearing this like, you know, like a thermal top kind of thing that I'll wear. And there's the salsa, just a salsa from breakfast. By the way, I know exactly where it came from. It was from 24 minutes before. And I'm just doing this video and just, and there it is just on my sleeve. So I had to reshoot the whole thing. <laughs> just kidding. I didn't reshoot it. If you get, if you're watching video, uh, YouTube and you're in that demographic uh, and you see that ad, don't listen to what I say. Just check out my right arm and just take a look at that salsa salsa. Who wouldn't want to sign up for a free six part video series from a guy who has a salsa stain on his shirt? Obviously we all love salsa. Mm. The lines we draw. Now here's, here I want to talk about this. And can I say it again that I'm really excited to be sitting and not in pain and, and talking. I just, I just really pleased about that. Okay, I can walk places. I'm taking it easy, going doing a lot of sauna, a lot of cold therapy, a lot of jacuzzi, just taking it, just stretching, stretching things. The lines we draw. Now, I have had conversations a lot. Look, I don't hide the fact that I'm plant-based. I don't talk about food a lot on this podcast. You guys know that. But anybody who really knows me or have seen me speak, you know that I'm plant-based. Okay, fine, whatever. Do I eat 100% healthy? Of course not. Of course not. Single malt scotch which I would have given up, like I said, but I haven't. I'm not gonna yet. I, I'm just saying. But I've had I've had conversations where people accuse me of being militant. One time I got accused of being militant while I was holding a scotch. So that's, I'm like, militancy and I'm drinking a whisk. Now, I know what they're getting at is that I'm militant because I never eat animal products. Now, here's the weird thing about, there are things that I'm militant about. There's I'm not gonna deny. Here, I'm gonna tell you something that's shocking. I don't ever, I'm militant about not killing people just militant. I've always been that way. It's a weird mindset. I know that most people are like, it's all good. Everything in moderation, whatever is good, different things for different people. Some people kill people. Some people don't every to each his own, but I'm militant about it. And that's, I got to work that out for myself. I'm militant about that. Okay. But we all have lines. And I've had conversation with people where I go, do you ever eat McDonald's? And I kind of know, I already know the answer. You can tell if somebody's on the hippie-ish side that they don't eat at McDonald's. And usually I have, the, I have a strong stance about that. Do you ever eat at McDonald's? No. Okay, well, then you have a line too, don't you? And I find that in most cases, people have lines. In America, for instance, very few of us will eat dogs. I don't even know if anybody does. And that sounds crazy. Eating dogs is crazy. Well, for some people, that's not crazy at all. For some cultures, eating dogs is not crazy. And they think we're just as crazy for eating pigs and cows. So 
there are lines where in America we go, I should never eat a dog, but they might eat a chicken. And so that's a line they draw. And I'm not going to get into the minutia of this and that and this and that. And I Look, I'm on an advisory board, so I might advise, but I'm not going to get into the minutia here. My point is this, as I'm looking into, from a philosophical and ethical standpoint, my point is this. We have lines. We have lines. Most of us, us have lines. We can say, this I would never do. My approach and my process is to bring those lines out into the open, to be clear about those lines and that you have them in the first place. This is such a load of bullshit and lowering the bar so significantly when you do this kind of everything in moderation thing and it's all okay and nobody be judgmental. You have lines, you have right and wrongs. If you are not happy enough or healthy enough, you may need to move those lines a little bit, but you don't have to create them in the first place. You don't have to bring them out of nothing into reality. You have lines, move them a little bit scooch them over a little bit until you find a place that you can stand behind those lines that you can say this is the line this is me saying i'm conscious of this line that i drew and i'm drawing it and maybe it was drawn by your parents and you've incorporated it, but at some point as an adult look at it evaluate it see if it's appropriate for you and if it isn't make it there get it there put it into the world live by it because we all have those lines and I just want to make sure that people understand that as bef- bef- rather than hide behind some, some freaking don't be judgmental apologist kind of thing, which I think is chicken shit. It's chicken shit. Stand up for something or understand what you already stand up for because probably you have something that you do or do not do that you think is right or not right. And then when you look at it, You get to be liberated by that attention that you give to your own values and ethics. When you get very clear on the lines you draw, then you're less apt to cross them in ways that create conflict in your brain when you're very clear about those things. Now, I will say that this episode was going to be, the title of this episode was going to be Kareem Abdul Bazaar. I don't even want it. I thought that was clever. I mean, I just thought it was like Kareem Abdul Bazaar. Now you're thinking, well, you just went on a full on tangent. No, this is the lines we draw. Okay. This is, this is all part and parcel to the lines we draw. So this was an article that I read by Kareem Abdul, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I almost said Kareem Abdul Bazaar again, because I can't get that funny name out of my head right now. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You got to heard of him. He was in the movie airplane. I think that's the only thing he ever, oh, he might've played basketball. I don't remember. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Okay. So he wrote an article on reader supported news I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes if you guys want to read i thought it was an excellent article by the way excellent article and what it was about was when it was about when writers as in novelists caved cave to social media scolds so in other words there's writers and he cited a couple that have caved like social media went erupting because of something that everybody got triggered by and the and the two writers that he cited actually went and changed their manuscripts and one time and one of them the publisher did in response to this now you guys have heard me talk about critics you've heard me talk about social media obviously you've heard me talk about how everyone's an authority i've just been in that world over the last few episodes because i'm i'm just you know it just hits me it's like happening right so I want to read you a couple passages from his article because it's it's pretty interesting. And again, it, what I'm saying is that this is the fault of, and actually it's funny because he agrees with me. <laughs> I mean, I agree with him. I agree with him because he wrote the article, but the fault is in the authors. 
and the lines that they draw. So here's here's he says. Okay, this I'm quoting from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from the movie Airplane. I'm just kidding. It's from the article. Here we go. These two, quote, these two incidents, these are the two novels, have established a horrific precedent for writers and artists on two fronts. First, writers now must be careful about how their characters talk, even though they are fictional and the authors may be deliberately, deliberately having them say less than it ad, admirable, thing, admirable things. Second, in both cases, it wasn't experienced critics who offered the criticism, but people on social media whose opinions are based on personal bias and triggers, not the literary, literary necessities of the works. Okay, now this is Sid talking. I'm back into the world here. I don't necessarily agree that critics don't have personal bias and triggers. So that I think that he has a very, um, very nice view of, of critics because I don't think that anybody can sort of that be that objective, but neither here nor there. Okay, back to Kareem. I call him Kareem. Quote, if this knee-jerk pandering and self-censorship, and it is, more on that in a minute, becomes widespread, it's only a matter of time before all forms of fiction, including TV and movies, will be reacting, retooling, and regurgitating to the whims of social media rather than the needs of their characters or story. Okay, end quote for now. This is Sid now talking again. I had a friend who was a novelist, and he had a novel that was about to be picked up by an author, and because he had a gay character... They can his project because he's not gay and therefore he can't write a gay character. This is what's happening. This is insane. We're storytellers. And it's the values. It's like it's not somebody who's writing a racist manifesto just because maybe one of their characters is racist because it's a story. And so famous, you know, Mark Twain. I mean, good Lord, we're talking about literature where authors are embodying their values good and bad into characters in, in, in sometimes and sometimes not sometimes just a story but they can and it doesn't mean that they're advocating or or condoning that behavior that if you write a book about a serial killer and and, and the horrible serial killer you're you don't think it's okay just because one of your characters is a serial killer for crying out loud i mean i don't understand what is happening it's that weird anyway so he goes back in quote the villains of this piece are the authors who capitulated so quickly to those on social media whose personal feelings may be understandable but do not justify changing the words. It's one thing to have a protagonist who we are supposed to admire spouting racist, misogynist, or other hateful opinions that the book clearly endorses. Readers may justifiably raise an outraged ruckus and advocate boycotting the author, but that is not the case here. A handful of readers had a negative response and the authors, in misguided virtue signaling, quickly folded. In doing so, they put all storytellers in professional jeopardy. To which I agree. Here's why I don't agree. Uh, it's one thing when he says uh, readers may justifiably raise an out outrage ruckus and advocate boycotting. Okay, I would say that is justified. They can you can boycott the author. You cannot think, but the, it, he is exactly right, which is that the authors themselves are creating a very very bad precedent for not being clear on the lines that they will and will not cross. And then as an author, if you people don't buy your book, then they don't buy your book. But if you're gonna bow to the whims of random people who and that's why i don't read comments anymore i don't read critiques anymore i don't read reviews anymore because i don't even want to get the i don't even want the struggle of having to stew over somebody some random person's uh critique of my work and and even think for and even be distracted for a second by this idea that somehow i should change my work based on one person or even 10 people 10 people's uh, opinions that may be in conflict with the line that I drew about my own work and, and that, that I'm, that I'm living in and being okay with. And these authors that they would give that up means they're not clear about who they are. 
And they would give into that whole thing. I mean, in theory, I guess to sell more books, but good Lord, at what cost? Especially because it affects all other people who are doing work in the world at the same time. So I, this is, I just saw that article and I thought, God, I was about to talk about um, the lines we draw anyways, just in terms of a, a, from an ethical perspective. Because it's, it's part and partial to sort of what's happening in the world today. We're so ready to critique someone else's uh, ethical choices. Um, but it, we have our own. I mean, we have our own. We, we, we have drawn, we have all, I've never met somebody who hasn't drawn, has, has some line somewhere. I've never met somebody who's just like, I'm literally a sociopath. I don't have any morals, nothing. There's literally not a sense of right and wrong and anything that I do. Sometimes I kill somebody, sometimes I don't. And it doesn't make any difference to me otherwise. I think that I've never seen that. I've never seen it. They're probably hopefully in jail, those people. But I have seen people who critique somebody else's ethical choice and to and to say oh look at how they are in but but they're they may be as militant about other things that they're not even paying attention to or not even addressing in terms of moves they may want to make in their own lives and perhaps cl- living a clean life where your actions you know line up most of the time with your values where internal conflict and cognitive dissonance is minimized is achieved with a with a with a close attention to the lines you've already drawn and how much further they might still need to move c- c- taking care of the conflict that exists in your life and and removing the things that you are on some level potentially lying about or trying to cover or trying to car- compartmentalize bringing those things out being aware of them and then resolving those conflicts whenever and wherever you can. This is the hard work of living a clean life. This is the hard work of living a good life, a good, healthy, vibrant life. This is the hard work. And by the way, it's the hard work that you can never, ever, ever escape. And all the violence sings 
Keeping me down 